Hello and welcome to episode two of the Beer O'Clock podcast. I am Dylan Toon. I'm Angus Norris. And we are here to bring you the outdated news and incredibly important opinions of the Beer O'Clock AU beer website. So let's get straight to it. We've got quite a bit of news today. Um, first up on the docket is the sad news of Barrow Boys closing down. Um, so head brewer Ash moved to Colonial in 2016 and the other founder, Dean, moved to Felons Brewing earlier this year. So Rob Raffer, who is actually an ex-workmate of mine at 161 Cellars, is now in charge of their day-to-day operations and released a statement basically saying that once the stock's gone, it's gone, but the beer is good, so give it a try and, you know, at least have fond memories of it. And I kind of agree with that. I mean, I think their stuff's good and it's not overly surprising to see them go. Like, it's just a competitive market, but um, it is a shame. I do really like their beers. Yeah, so do I. Um it's not really surprising with, you know, there's that many brands in the industry. It's quite competitive at the moment. Um, and as a gypsy brewer, it's probably hard to run a core range the way they do and not just release, you know, limited after limited. Yeah. After limited. <laughs> I think maybe having the core range probably got them into, they were in hotels and pubs and mm. restaurants a bit, and that probably helped in that regard. But unless, you know, you can really get some brand penetration with that core range outside you know you, you didn't really see it in many bottle shops and no. so on so it's um yeah sad news but really sad that we're losing our sort of only amber lager <laughs> yeah yeah i mean the only aussie one and then you know their midi was really good too and a lot of their limited releases were you know pretty good and mm. they they'd been doing a bit more recently and they still had a bit of a presence like we went to the trade show for good beer week last year yep. and they were still there then um so Oh, it seems like it's... Wait, sorry, this year. This year. Trade show. Yeah, it started this year. (laughs) Totally losing my time. Um, But it seems like it's happened quite quickly. Or maybe they knew for a while and they've just decided that it's untenable. Well, if they don't have a brewer, is that how it's currently operating? I think that's (laughs) kind of... Yeah, that sounds like what it is. Although some of the stock I've seen is dated more recently, so perhaps they've been getting a bit of help from Hawkers or something similar. yeah. Um, But yeah, they're definitely no more stock coming out, so... I think the lager will still be holding up totally fine, so you should definitely... Pick some up. <laughs> yeah. I think it's um, one of those breweries that probably will not be terribly sorely missed in terms of their output, but uh, a lot of potential there and some good releases, and um, like you said, definitely miss the amber lager. Do you reckon someone will buy the the IP just to get the amber lager recipe? I just don't know if there's enough value there. I think hmm. you could just... I wouldn't be surprised to see Colonial do an amber lager. That could be true. Um, but I just don't know if there's, I guess, if the recognition was there, then you'd probably, I mean, they've never, I don't think they've ever cracked the hottest 100 beers. I don't think so. And I just don't know if there's enough out there yeah, yeah. to really make it worthwhile. But you never know. And I um, wish Rob all the best and yeah, all, all the, the other stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, in happier news, uh, West City's back. I saw that. Yeah. Purchased by Grand Ridge, of all people. Yeah, and I, I was confused by that Interesting. slightly. So let me read a quote yep. from uh, Eric Walters of Grand Ridge. I like the whole concept of West City being grassroots and a group of people online, from a group of people online, and it was kind of like how we started in a lot of ways. I didn't want to see it die. I thought it was a really good brand with really nice beers and it would have been a shame. I was really disappointed when Brew Cult disappeared and didn't want that to happen again. 
So I guess it's basically he sees some sort of kinship there and also mm. a business opportunity and... Doesn't Grand Ridge buying it destroy sort of the community aspect of, Somewhat, of West yeah. City? I, they're still independent, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose. Um, so they've brought Bevan in, one of the West City yep. founders, who is going to be giving them the recipes, helping with the brewing, and Footscray Ale and the OT Session Stout will be out in cans fairly soon, apparently. Cans is good. Yes. And also Grand Ridge probably using their new cannery, which they've just got recently, apparently, yep. and just playing around with. So, yeah, that's... I think it's all it's pretty good news. I mean, we'll wait and see. As long as the beer's the same, I, I quite I liked, like both those yeah, beers. Yeah, I like both of those beers. And, yeah, um, probably not something we have quite as strong an affinity with, given our location. Uh, it's definitely more of a Footscray area thing. Very much a Footscray thing. But it's good that it's back. I mean, it's always just nice to hear comeback stories. Yeah. Well, we bought bought their beer before. Yeah, we've had a, a slab of it. Yeah. Um, at... One of our soccer days, something like that. Yeah, <laughs> and it went down nicely. Yeah, so. very good. It's it's a really, you know, the 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 market is full of these sort of pails. Yeah, but it was a genuinely nice one. It was well priced. And they so. have cracked the hottest one hundred a few times. Yeah. with different beers, yeah. which is, I was kind of surprised they went down originally, but um, there was obviously issues there that we weren't privy to. I think it was a full time. They lost. They were some of them were doing it full time and part time, yeah. and that just didn't quite work that, out. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. So more openings or re, you know, not really a good segue. Um, Stone and Wood are opening a brew pub in Fortitude Valley in Brisbane, um, so you'll be able to go in there and buy a beer, and it'll also become their base of operations for Queensland. So definitely more of an expansion. It's very there. interesting, I think, with. Brewdog moving into Brisbane. Mm. Is this Stone and Wood going, you know, we're stamping our territory sort of thing? Or is it just they want to expand and Brisbane's cheaper? I mean, it could be a bit of both, but it's... Yes, it wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me if Stone and Wood put it down. And knowing Queenslanders, they really love their Stone and Wood up there. Uh, possibly all, even more than Victorians. Like, it's, it's very much kind of what Great Northern wishes it was. Up yeah. there, Stone and Wood. <laughs> it's the kind of beer you see people drinking at the beach and attractive people enjoying while they're having fun, and which Great Northern wishes it could be. Just wishes it could be. <laughs> um, not middle-aged men slamming down two six-packs of it after work, which is the realistic... Or two slabs. <laughs> yeah. Well, if it's the light, you know. Why else have a light beer? So also on Stone and Wood, um, they have settled their trademark dispute with Pacific Ale, with Thunder Road, been going on for God knows how long. No comment from Thunder Road. You'll notice surprise, now... Surprise, yeah, You'll notice now that Stone and Wood is marketed as the original Pacific Ale, and it's on the label now. Mm. Um, so Stone and Wood did settle out of court, so you would assume there was some amount of money given to Thunder Road, but it doesn't seem like it's a win necessarily it's, for... It's not a win, yeah. I think. I think we've all decided Pacific Ale is not a trademarkable term. Especially considering Buck, Bre- Buck Brewing in New Zealand had Pacific Ale before either. Yeah. Which is conveniently ignored. It's not relevant to Australian IP. <laughs> yeah. You know, for the... But it, it kind of proves that the the idea has been around. I'm pretty and sure... And I guarantee we've got Corona Pacific... has one too. We, exactly. Kona. There's probably a US West Coast one that's like, we've got our Pacific Ale or our Pacific Northwest Ale or whatever we're doing. The only outcome of this is really that I have gone from thinking... Thunder Road of Fine to Thunder Road of Dicks. That's basically, and I know there's probably more to it than that, but it's difficult to see it in any way other than pettiness. 
You sort of hear more about Thunder Road now for their legal stuff. With yeah. this and the CUB stuff where they were trying to get the old trademarks. Yeah. Um, than you do about their beer. Their like, beer I don't is... remember the last time I've seen a Thunder Road beer. Yeah, well, I mean, they get, they get stocked at uh, First Choice. Mm. and But I think when you drive around Brunswick, sometimes you see Thunder Road signs. But yeah. that's just because they have the Brunswick Bitter, which is just a lager package in. And there's Collingwood Draft, I think, in, yes. in Collingwood as well. So it's very much Thunder Road just kind of trying to capture markets, I think. And it's just, I don't know. If they make a spectacular beer, all is forgiven. <laughs> yep. But until that happens. Yeah. And I think we might be waiting. <laughs> yeah. So <clears throat> on to the, uh, the monthly purchases of breweries. So Matzo's, makers mm-hmm. of a very good ginger beer, a very average mango beer, and a very bad lychee beer. Um, Don't forget the chili beer, which yes. is like the worst thing I've ever drunk. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I got that, you know some places do a $5 Lucky Dip? Yep. I got a chili, Matzo's chili out of that, and it was one of the worst experiences of my life because I had been drinking pretty heavily that night already, and that was the last thing I wanted. I mean, I don't mind the concept, but they do have a chili and ginger Oh, version, yeah. which has got a different name, which is actually not bad. Yep. That works a lot better. But anyway. I think they had a s- smoked beer that was quite nice. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. did. Um, I can't remember the name. Bishop, Bishop's Port? Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but they've been bought by Gage Roads. Yep. Which is really, really interesting to me. Both Western Australian, but it's just an intriguing acquisition. Like Gage Roads obviously bought themselves back from Woolies. Yep. And, I mean, this is really... I'm just sort of confused because I always thought, I guess I thought Matzo's were in pretty good shape. They sell pretty well and they sell at a high price point. And you've got this sort of, it's one town, one brewery thing going on as well. Mm. Like you'd think it'd be an ideal tourist destination. Just maybe don't get enough tourists in Broome. <laughs> they get a few, don't yeah, they? Yeah, they, they do. Like, it's, maybe, um, maybe not beer tourists. Or... Yeah. I mean, it's just, I guess maybe it's just one of those things where they were probably cheaper than maybe Gage Roads thought they were worth and just thought... Do we know what they... No, there was no price given. Yeah. I can't imagine it was a huge amount. Yeah. Maybe it's a case of the Matzo's owners want to move on or something as well. It's... Did it do anything to the Gage Roads stock price? Do we know? I didn't look at that, actually. No. But, yeah. Um, I imagine it would be a sound business decision. Gage Roads seemed like a pretty tightly run ship. Especially now with it being on the ASX and all that yeah. stuff. I can't imagine that they have done this willy-nilly i think it's just probably a smart expansion of the portfolio because you know matzo's you sort of think of them when you think of the ginger beers and fruit beers and so on and i think that's an area gauge roads probably doesn't have yep. and also expands them into the northern part of western australia so it's yeah yeah it seems pretty smart all around i assume they're keeping the brand separate yeah yep. it's definitely still going to be matzo as far as i hear um yep. which is probably smart because there's definitely enough recognition there uh, Mornington Peninsula Brewery is also bought by Tribe. Yeah, this was interesting, wasn't it? Mm. So I don't really know what to think about this. I mean, Tribe, they're a member of the Independent Brewers Association. Yep. They seem okay. They've got private equity stakes in them. Yep. So there's obviously going to be some look at sort of, you know, getting the best out of it financially. But it makes sense. Mornington's always one of those ones I thought might go this way. Yeah, I'm glad it's Tribe, though, and not. Yeah, yeah, no, AB and Bevel, exactly. which it could easily have been with Mornington, I think. Exactly. They, definitely they were one. definitely a brand that would have appealed to, to AB and Bev. They're in the big stores. They're well yeah. known. They've got a nice brew pub already. They And it's ma- like they make a heap of beer. Yeah. 
And they've got craft And they export as well. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, so I guess it's another intriguing one where I'm not sort of, I guess, the reason for acquiring them is makes sense, but the reason for selling maybe not so... Uh, I think the selling was the original investors wanted to get out. Okay. Um, you know, they, they needed a return eventually, those... I think it's 19 families or... Oh, okay. 21 so families or something. <laughs> offer too good to refuse. I yeah, I think they. it was along those lines. And, you know, Tribe. Tribe owns Stockade. Yeah. And, and they're Brew Pack and that's I, good. Yeah, I don't really see... Tribe is sort of lives up to their name. It's just kind of a group of independent brewers. And if they, yeah. And if that's what they're going to stay as, mm. yeah, all for it. So until <laughs> until we have any reason... Until proven otherwise, yeah, I think exactly. this is fine. <laughs> um, finally... Boozebud, the online shop purchased by AB InBev, which is weird, really interesting, weird. whatever you want to call it. Um, maybe just a good shop front for them. Maybe it's a way to gather big data. This for... was bought by their little side project, wasn't it? ZX yeah. or XZ or whatever that's called. Well, my thinking is it's a, an analytics move to look at the buying yeah. habits of but Australian. But is buying Boozebud the right thing to look at the Australian... Well, probably not, but as far yeah. as ABM Bev are concerned, they're probably like, look, you're the biggest he'll sell to us, we'll yeah. take you. Um, I don't know if I've ever used them. I haven't. I'm trying to think, because I think, I kind of get the confused with Beer Cartel a lot. Yeah, I have bought from Beer Cartel, not from Booze Bud. Whichever one sells Contillion I've bought from. <laughs> that would be Beer Cartel. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, Booze Bud I've never bought. I think Booze Bud is sort of more a cheaper... No, 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 a cheaper sort of... I think you can buy slabs of VB cheap. Mm. Because everybody goes online to buy slabs of beer. Exactly. Next on the docket is the Sydney Royal Beer and Cider Show. So another set of awards following on from the Perth Beer Show we did last podcast. And much like the Perth Beer Show, Champion Beer was taken out by Pirate Life's Mosaic, which is a champion packaged beer. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we've probably said much gushing praise as we can handle about that. (laughs) But it is excellent and good on them for... There's a reason it keeps winning. Yes, that's that's the best way to put it, I think. Lord Nelson's Nespresso Brown Ale taking out Champion Draft Beer, which is great for sort of a heritage brewer, which we uh, obviously have a lot of respect for. And Don't get much of their stuff down here, though. No, we get three sheets, and I think that's probably about it. Yeah. Uh, best New South Wales Beer taken out by Cés Hermanos, which you actually brought up I last. Did. Yeah, and we were wondering if that was still around, and it turns out it is. Clearly it is. Yeah. <laughs> And Champion Cider taken out by Flying Brick, which I only mentioned because Flying Brick is a great cider and stocked at a few places and it's just one of those ones that's really trying to be more in the traditional side of things and I always want to give them a shout out just because... I've seen the label. Yeah, it's got a stupid looking bird on yeah, it. That's yeah, that's the one. <laughs> um, but it's, yeah, I mean, we're a fan of cider as in as much as we're a fan of traditional cider yeah. and... I think we could even say we're big fans of traditional cider if it's done correctly. But um, just isn't that much. Yes, yeah, disgustingly sweet. And exactly. Dumb. So all props to them. Yep. Next order of business is Holgate's new brew house is opening in October. Oh, very cool. So it's going along pretty well. Uh, it can process eight thousand five hundred bottles per hour, which is five times their current production, and they are looking at it being up to ten times their current production in future. Is it on the same site? Next door. 
state government grant to build the visitor centre there, which will not be open in October, we should clarify. That will be a little bit longer. Cool. Because I think I've seen designs for that. It's a big glass-fronted thing, isn't it? Yeah, not super attractive. At yeah. the moment, it still looks like a bit of a dead zone yeah. in Wood End. Like, it looks like they're building stuff there. But apparently, it'll be ready by October. Um, maybe it's more that the brewing part is mostly done and it's just doing the visitor centre, which will take yeah. longer. So, Holgate have... They are now doing Coles' home brand fancy lager. Really? In-house? Uh, at, yeah, so I think that's probably they te- took that contract to test the new system. I yeah. would imagine because that beer is literally nine dollars a six pack, so it's um, probably not what yeah. Holgate are used to. But they they clearly are pumping out, and that's yeah, just about ready to go, which is great for them. Um, all respect due to Holgate, and they do good stuff up there. And if we see more sour Brett ale, then it'll all be worth it. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, finally, the Brewers Association of the United States 2018 reported there are now 6,655 breweries operating in the United States and there were 3,000 planned openings in the next Jesus. year. Uh, so they said there are more openings than ever and also more closings than ever, which is yeah, not surprising. Makes sense in a market that's that, you know, yeah, overstocked. <laughs> I mean, even if you... Obviously, the population is... 25 times ours-ish. I don't think it's quite that much. 15, 16? Yeah. Uh, that's a lot more breweries per capita. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's... um, Yeah, it's... It's a crowded market. And they... It was interesting because this report was kind of positioned as more of a warning than a, a celebration. Mm. And that was interesting because... It just sort of shows you that they want people to be successful, but... They're just saying, look, it's going to be very difficult to be successful. Yeah. And that's fair enough. And I think we'll get there in Australia too if we're not there already. As every, I think the brew pub model is just becoming more and more Yeah, the way to go. <laughs> and I would have been interested to see a breakdown of breweries that produce packaged yeah. stuff in uh, the USA. Um, actually, we've got one more that I'd like to add on to just that I found interesting that I just remembered then. Garage Project are now releasing a monthly IPA, cellar door only. I did see this. Yes, and I really like the concept. So changing the recipe every month, um, it's always going to be hazy, it's always going to be an IPA, it's always going to be what's in season, limited amounts at the cellar door, not anywhere else. Yep. I really like it. It seems sort of like the American model, but it's done by a brewery that has more reach, so... You know, never going to be able to not get Garage Project stuff, but they do have these special little limited run... Really high quality, really Which special. is good, giving back to their local community yeah. again. And Now all we have to do is get to Wellington. Exactly. We'll be back in a moment. We're back with uh, what we've been drinking. We're not back with what we've been drinking, but we're back to talk about what we've been drinking. Uh, first up, we just wanted to... Last podcast, we mentioned that we brewed with Tallboy and Moose... At their lovely Thornbury, was it Northcote? Thornbury, Thornbury, Thornbury Preston. Thornbury, Preston, yep. Facility, doesn't really matter. Um, we brewed a beer called Buried Alive with them, and that has now rolled out. I was overseas, but Angus, you want to tell us about the launch at the, uh, well, I guess, well, not so much the launch, but the first, it was at the Terminus yeah, IPA off. Yeah, so the off, day it so. first got <laughs> yeah. release was at the Terminus IPA off. Um, got some very good... <laughs> 
Very good feedback, actually. Um, so second on the day, because this yeah. is kind of a competitive event, as a lot of you would probably know. Yeah, so every, there's, I think, 10 breweries or 12 breweries. They all bring in IPA. People have their tokens, and they vote for their favourite at the end. Gonna, yeah, which can... one did you vote for? Did you, did you did fixation sway you, or did you uh, end up going with the one you no, I did vote for <laughs> Would have been tough, though. Um, but yeah, we finished second to fixation, which is yeah pretty cool. And I think we'll probably agree with that as an overall. <laughs> <laughs> what, that fixation is better than that? Yeah, <laughs> we'll give them that one. They need the win. Um, but no, it's been... I mean, feedback has been good, obviously, most of the people we're hearing about it from are probably going to say good things, but Untapped has been good. Um, the tall boy guys, yep. uh, Stephen and Dan, seem happy yep. with how that all went, and we are happy. It's a, turned out nicely. It's quite a different beast to the inspiration for it, but that's probably just because it's, it's cleaner and more balanced. And and we did win a competition called Commercially Unviable yeah. or something. <laughs> and they made it commercially viable, so that's probably more credit to tall boy yeah. than us. Um, but yeah, that was a that was a good experience, and there's a little write up on the Crafty Pint. You can have a look there if you would like some more information about what sort of beer that is. Uh, still on tap at the Cherry Tree Hotel and Silver Lake Social, but probably not by the time you get around to listening to this podcast. You never know. Tall yeah. still have some. Yeah. Um, but no, that was that was a cool experience, and that was yeah, sort of the main thing that took up our time. Um, what have you been drinking otherwise, Angus? Um, a lot of the new sort of imports that have come in over the last couple of weeks. We've had stuff from North Brewery in the UK and Northern Monk. Yep. Uh, and then from the States, we've got stuff from Toppling Goliath and Against the Grain. Yeah, which is pretty Against exciting. the Grain, that was the other one, one I was thinking of. Uh, I saw a Toppling Goliath on their Instagram where selling bottles of their brunched out for 100 US yeah. I want to say and this is a 375 or a 330 and that's that's an interesting price yeah yeah I think assassin is which is their big one of their big stouts is three or four hundred for oh. 750 like it's amazing their market isn't it <laughs> yeah you'd probably I mean at some stage you just have to think of Bordeaux is better value for money <laughs> when so. you get into that price range it's hard to justify it. Um, especially with the quality imperial stout, but that's yeah, that's good stuff. Um, I went to Malaysia. Their craft scene there was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, being a predominantly Muslim country, government regulations are terrible. So there's no craft beer, literally none. There was more in Indonesia. Yep. Um, but plenty of craft beer bars. Prices comparable to Australia, probably a dollar or two cheaper. So you're looking at sort of Six dollar pots okay. uh, of you know we're talking about Anderson Valley, uh, Hitachino, Nest, yep, um, Brewdog, a lot of those ones you'd expect to see in yeah. Southeast Asia. Um, but there were probably there were three craft beer bars within walking distance of our hotel in Kuala That's Lumpur. Cool. Yeah, um, really not heaps more to mention. I mean, the interesting thing there, I guess, is. Carlsberg is just so dominant everywhere. I would have thought it would have been Tiger, but honestly, it's just Carlsberg, Carlsberg, Carlsberg everywhere. Um, Carlsberg sponsor a lot of the hawker stalls, so they yeah. give them a sign in exchange for advertising Carlsberg. <laughs> so you just see Carlsberg advertisements everywhere because everyone has these signs in the same font, and it's pretty great. That's pretty great marketing from Carlsberg. It's really smart. <laughs> it's really smart. And honestly, um, 
my sister like loves Carlsberg now. It's sort of like she's it's the only beer she'll drink now. And I mean, she wasn't really a beer drinker before, yeah. but yeah. Um, so over there, you can order you order in buckets, which are five bottles for some reason, or you order in towers, which are three liters. Yeah. And okay, that was that was all I had to say. The only interesting Malaysia unique thing I tried over there was Guinness Bright, which was a Guinness variant, lower alcohol, a session sort of style Guinness with coffee, lemongrass, and ginger in it. You could taste all three, and it was cool. actually really nice. And I drank quite a bit of that. And sort of a nice blue sort of can. It looked pretty cool. And that was really about the only interesting thing there. But the um, it's quite different from the rest of Southeast Asia. It does probably feel more like a, I want to say, like if Hong Kong or something couldn't have any craft beer, like breweries of their own, that's probably what it would feel like. Because craft beer is definitely there and it's definitely a thing and they do advertise it. It's just there's no craft breweries. It's an interesting dynamic, and yep. yeah, it's quite interesting that it's prevalent. Yeah, but that they but don't have their own. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of it just seems like a weird oversight. And alcohol is nowhere near as cheap there as you would think. Yeah, um, it's yeah comparable to Australia, so cheaper but comparable. Yeah, and comparable is not what you want to hear when you're on holiday. No, definitely not. <laughs> Especially when it's like your options are like Carlsberg and Asahi rather than, you know, good beer. Um, but no, that was, yeah, it was interesting. I also spent $23 on a pint at Changi Airport, which is probably the oh, most good. I've ever spent on a pint. So that Was it Carlsberg? No, it was Heineken. Oh, yeah. even better. And um, we just got rescheduled. We just reduced a 25-hour delay to four, so it was more of a celebration thing. I wasn't too worried about it, but... I think, yeah, $23 may stand for a little while. Yeah. That was Singapore as well, so I think uh, that's may even be slightly more or less. It's about the same either way. Similar. Yeah. I think it's like a dollar or nine or something. <laughs> so, yeah, that was uh, not my favourite experience. No, the only other one I'd like to mention is the Little Creatures, the Fuggle is Real. More canned stout, please. Oh, exactly. <laughs> exactly. There's also a full review on the site if anyone wants yes. to. Yes, yes. I had a look at that last night. It was a, It's a good read. And... um. It's great to see little creatures doing stuff like that. Unlike something like Dog Days, which always seemed like it wouldn't be a good fit in their year-round range, I do think Fuggle is Real fills a gap yeah. and would be a great addition. And hopefully they look at that and hopefully sales are good enough that... They keep it. Yeah, they'll be able to sneak that in somewhere. Um, all right, well, I think that does us. So yeah. We'll be back in a moment. get on to the next segment we will talk just continue the what are we drinking segment briefly with this triple fruited goza from north brewing and vedant brewing in the united kingdom that angus has just cracked open following on from our bright green beer last time we've got bright red this time uh, i thought looking very much like a lindemans creek yeah um, big pink head yeah the pink head was mostly what gave me the lindemans creek vibe um tastes like fruit there's a lot of fruit there. <laughs> Honestly, it tastes more like fruit than anything else. Mm. Uh, it's not particularly sour. Um, not getting very... a touch of salt. Just sort of on the back palate. Yep. Now that you mention it. Yeah, <laughs> but not, bit... not much. No, it's, it's it's pretty much just fruit soda. Yeah. But, uh, what's the ABV? Four or five? Uh, 
You'd think this would be obvious somewhere on it. Uh, four. Yeah, four that flat. makes sense. Okay. Yeah. It's, got, it's doing a lot for four. Yeah. If they want to keep bringing stuff like this in to the country. Yeah. The UK is doing some good stuff. And yeah. this is, um, yeah. Nice little... Six months best before date as well. Wouldn't have thought with fruit it would matter that much. We've no. had some older fruit beers that hop... They just... It more evolves than dissipates, I find. Like, with uh, we made a raspberry wheat and we tried it a year or so later. And, well, not a year. It was probably more like eight months. Yeah. Uh, that... And that was different, but not necessarily worse. No. It hadn't... It had sort of... The freshness had faded, but the fruitiness is still there. It just changes. It had changed how yeah. the fruitiness was perceived, sort of. It wasn't that in-your-face fruitiness that it was at the start. Yeah, it's more of a... Almost like a candy kind of thing going yeah. on. And it um definitely isn't as crucial as hops, I think. No. Although maybe in something like this, with the amount of fruit that's obviously in here, I can understand wanting that fresh fruit flavour because... This is pretty much just juice, so... <laughs> it's, it's sweet, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It's good, though. It's a nice little... I quite enjoy it. Yeah. A bit more enamel stripping might be nice, but that's always what we say. <laughs> uh, so, today is a brew day, so we'll, we'll briefly talk about what we're brewing in the new segment, What Are We Brewing? Very creative with names here in the Bureau Club podcast. <laughs> um, so, we are brewing an American Blonde Ale... Uh, it is called The Rifle, named after Paul Rifle, the Australian cricket all-rounder who has been retired for a fair while now, and um, risk of alienating some of the audience, we'll probably leave it at that. <laughs> I think that's fair. Yeah. So <laughs> this is, essentially, this is we made this initially as like a dad beer. This is something to share with everyone because we make a lot of weird stuff, and this is sort of the one we made where everyone can drink this and be happy. Yep. Um, so it's a simple malt bill. We've got... It's just ale, malt, uh, two-row, and uh, wheat. Yeah. That's pretty much it. And hop-wise, this time we've gone with Mosaic, Mandarina, and Galaxy Dry Hopping. That's all pretty standard, easy-drinking stuff. So not the most interesting, really. We're using some White Labs Kolsch yeast yep. to really bring that uh, that sort of Four Pines, furfy, crowd-pleasing <laughs> factor to it. People are going to love this. It's just so... It's so easy to drink. <laughs> it was really good last time, like, to be honest. And I am not one to turn my nose up at a Blondale. No. Um, I like a well-made, clean lager and Blondale, anything, as much as the next guy. And especially considering this is for grand final day. Yeah. So shooting for a slightly lower ABV than a lot of pails and things we do. So this is... um, I guess if we're a bit of a wanky Australian brewery, probably call this a golden ale or... <laughs> Probably. A session ale. <laughs> a, session, a galaxy dry hop session ale. Yeah. <laughs> Has a certain ring to it, doesn't it? <laughs> you can see a number of brewers releasing that, can't you? Yes. And, I mean, but essentially it's somewhere between Pacific Ale and our own Blonde Ale yeah. kind of ideal. Um, Pacific Ale mostly in the two-row wheat and galaxy mix, which is certainly not unique to them, but... Definitely the, the key inspiration for that, but we've kind of got our own twist in here with a few things. Not many Australian brewers use Mandarina, Bavaria. No. Um, and yeah, it's kind of a weird little Kolshi, Blondale-y... Hybrid thing. Yeah, it's good fun. So that If will... it turns out like, as well as the last one. Yeah, and I mean, you can always... If you, you live in Melbourne, you can always badger the Bureau Clock email and you might get lucky and... <laughs> Get a bottle of whatever we're talking about. Um, 
think, speaking of which, we, we'll just probably check on the boil and uh, we'll be back in a moment. We are back on the Beer O'Clock AU podcast. We have got a red ale in hand and it's time to talk about the Desert Island Six Pack. So let's talk about red ales. So the Desert Island Six Pack, for those who missed it last time, is a ever-regenerating six-pack of one style of beer that you can take to a desert island, which you are assumedly trapped on forever. And, yep, that's, uh, that's what you're going to drink. And draw it by style, obviously, because it's more interesting that way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you would hope this isn't going to happen anyway. So, red ales, I guess, are something that we both like a lot and drink a lot of, but... Standouts are not always super easy to come across, so I sort of chose this mostly because I would like to hear what you would pick, because I was surprised at how difficult it was for me to narrow it down to six, and this time around especially, I went more of a, for the for listeners who didn't hear the previous podcast, we did Pilsners, mm. so they're pretty easy to, you know, the best Pilsners are what you want to drink most of the time, I mean, general, uh, but... With red ales, like there's big red ales, there's small red ales, and um, we kind of called no real cutoff apart from nothing really wild. Like yeah. no, obviously no Flanders red, and uh, no sort of sour red ales. So, you know, honourable mention to Two Metre Tall's Forester Bitter Amber Ale, which is probably something that would have made my list and possibly yours as yeah. well. Great beer, but um, that's probably kind of where we drew the line. But um, red IPAs are fine. Yep. Um, Imperial reds are fine. Irish reds are fine, American reds are fine. So yeah, I think that's where we landed on it. Yep, I so, think so. Um, do you like to kick it off? Do you want me to kick it off? Um, you can kick it off this time. All right. And as last time, if we have a double up, we'll just call it out. And um, I feel like we might have less double ups this time, but I'll be interested I, to see. I reckon there'll be a few. We had, I had three. three. Yeah, we had three. Yeah, so let's see if we get there this time. Yep. So my first one is Exit's Amber Ale. Nice. Um, which is... Just, it was one of the first amber ales I had where I was like, I really like reds. This is, yeah. And it's just, it's hoppy. It's finally in cans now. Yeah. Um, and always just a good beer. And one of those I always sort of think about and think I should drink more of, which yeah. is a lot of beers, but yeah. My list is leaning towards the heavier side, mm. and Exit was one of those ones I was thinking, I need a more sessionable one. <laughs> I should put it in there. But didn't quite make the six. <laughs> so before you start yours, can I ask, do you have Kaiju's hopped out red on yours? I really thought about it. Yeah. Because that was my real toss-up between Exit and Kaiju and Exit just one. So we'll, we'll call that an honourable mention. Yeah, just because... they need an honourable mention. Yeah. Like, it was right on the edge. There were two beers I was sort of tossing up yeah. to claim that spot. And that deserves some sort of mention in this list, I Because, God, it's a good beer. It, it is. Just... <laughs> A lot of good beers, right? I, I think if I'd had one of the new release cans, it would have made the list. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I just probably haven't had it in a little while. Yeah, yeah I think so. so. That, I think that's the... Yeah. Um, well, so I'll, I'll start at the top. Former tenant. Modus yep. operandi. That's, yeah. Easy call. That's a resinous, dank, big, aggressive, tropical. Also, it's, just, yeah. it's what made Modus, really. I would say. say so. Yeah. Other people will say otherwise, but they're wrong. <laughs> Oh, no, I think it's it, far and away that's their best a beer. very fair call. And that's kind of huge, hottest 100 placings. 
Yeah, top ten a few times, I think. Yeah, and awards out the wazoo, so that makes sense, yeah. Um, Great story as well, backstory to the name. Quick rundown for those who don't know it is that the beer's named after the former tenant of the building that Modus Operandi now host, who um, I think he was growing a heap of weed in there or something. Yeah, so this was their their dank tribute to his... uh... And it is dank. Yeah. It is, it is very, It's, but it's also tropical. It does yeah. a lot that red ales don't do. and um, It just does it really well. Well, I guess it seems logical that I would follow up with, we did a red ale blind tasting. We did. I was going to have former tenant, but instead I went for the one that beat former tenant in the blind tasting, which is Mismatch's Evil Archie which Red I, IPA. Which I also have. Yeah. And that is just a cracking red IPA. Yeah. Um, Big body, heaps of hops, it's just delicious. And I just would never have thought it. No, and that's what blind tastings are amazing for. Um, That would be like a great thing to do in a future podcast would be to do a blind tasting episode or something because we've had great results both times, fascinating stuff. Um, And Evil Archie won over a fair few good beers, including former tenants. You basically are who's who's of Australian red Red Ales. And so I kind of felt like it had to be on there. Yeah, um, and I thought the same. Yeah. <laughs> so this will be your third? third yes. Yeah. Um, so I'll keep the theme with the Australian ones and go the Prancing Pony India Red. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love that beer. Like the the caramelisation. Yeah, it's a great malt showcase. All, all of their beers, like with their fire brewing, have this sort of caramelly thing going on that is a bit oh. deeper than other, other malts. Yes, it's definitely... Not so much even malt driven, it's just different malt. It's more yeah. deep, rich malt flavours. flavours. Yeah, and yeah. I, I think that's a superb beer. And <laughs> yeah, and it's also a nice sort of counterpoint to a lot of the hop driven ones. Because there's still yeah. hops in there, but this one's, it's definitely more of like a big bodied sort of malt. It's definitely a more balanced red, red than yeah. either of the other two I've mentioned. Yeah, it's not a hot bomb with an amber base kind yeah. of thing. It's more of an actual rounded amber. Yeah, it's just a beautiful beer. Yeah, that's a, it's a good call. Um... I will go with a classic, um, Mountain Goat Fancy Pants. I, this was right on the edge of mine <laughs> as well. I, so Hightail is probably the more well-known one, but I think everyone knows Fancy Pants is the better one. Yeah. Uh, so Fancy Pants, you know, is a little bit tropical. I think it's got some New World hops in there. So it's still around? I haven't seen it for ages. It is kicking ground, but I feel like it's mostly on tap nowadays okay. i don't know if i've seen the cans that yeah often. not at dan's not at first choice anymore yeah uh the coppins around the corner from the brewery doesn't seem to have them like i stop in there a bit they've had it on tap through the randall i've seen on instagram okay. a couple of times so they're still making it i think yeah. but it's probably maybe one of those things where they've got high sale which is quite similar maybe yeah but i think fancy pants just it was a real another formative beer for me where it was just one of those ones where it's just like I guess it's kind of like what Americans speak about Fat Tire as, was what Fancy Pants was for me. It was just like, wow, this is so much different from any other beer I've had, and it's also incredibly delicious. And yeah. I remember taking a six-pack to a New Year's in 2014, 2015, and that was, um, yeah, just one of the first times I'd sat there and drank craft beer all night until yeah. I ran out and doing shots of vodka. Um, but... It's really just a. It's just a really great, well balanced, not too alcoholic. I think mid fives ABV, lightly tropical, great caramel. It's just worth worth having a look at if you hadn't, and um, definitely something I would miss if it wasn't in my desert island six pack. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think so. Um, 
We'll keep the Australian theme going again, and I'll go with the noisy minor Admiral Akbar. Oh, that's a good call. Yeah. Not one I'd really um, thought of as sort of being on there, but it's a good call. Like, it sort of slipped my mind. It's a beer that I loved. Like, I remember when it was sort of in its hype, big hype moment. Yeah, there was a lot. Sort of maybe early 2016, maybe? Yeah. Um, And just going out. I think they had it at Brother Burger or somewhere like that for Good Beer Week. It was a Queensland pint of origin thing. Okay. And I would have had a heap. <laughs> I don't want to was know it, how so many. So is it like a big sort of hoppy one or is it more just balanced? Again, big. Yeah, big. Big bang. hoppy yep. one. Uh, I reckon it's probably in the 10% range. That would, you know, yep. 70, 80 IBUs. It's a big beer. <laughs> and I think the reds do that sort of dank kind of hop character well with the caramelly base. It all just works really well together. Um... So my next one is, this may be coloured by recent news, but I'm going to go with Barrow Boys India Amber Ale. Nice. Which um, has come out twice as a limited release and has been really just spectacularly good both times. Like, I feel like there was nowhere near enough praise for the beer. Um, And I sort of had it and was just, like, shocked by how good it was because I was sort of... Not really expecting... I was expecting it to be pretty good, but I had it on tap and I had it in a bottle, and both times, just like, this is just a really good, punchy beer, and it's not super alcoholic, and it's just... It's, yeah. It's right up there for me, and um, I guess the caveat would be I'd want it fresh. <laughs> Let's assume this regenerating... I, I think we're yeah. assuming it's all freshly brewed each yeah. time it regenerates. Because what else are they going to do? Um, but no, that's... Um, and look, like realistically, I do love that beer, and um, but I think maybe if maybe not for recent news, I might have said Hop Nation's Buzz. But um, that's another one that was really close to making the yeah. cut as that lower. And either way, I get to mention them both. But I'll probably officially let's let's officially put Barry Boys in there just because I do really love that beer, and I um, was surprised by how little love it got. And it might just because it's in boring bottles, and that that often hurts it. But yeah. Um, I'm going to... Number five? Number five. Number five. Um, I'm going to have Epic Hop Dozer. Mm. Uh, can't go wrong with Epic. No, can never <laughs> go wrong with Epic. And again, as you guess with Epic, it's a big Well, the hoppy. name seems apt. <laughs> yeah, it's a big, hoppy... Has a bulldozer's worth of hops pushed in. Something the, like that. Yeah. I think that's the imagery they're going <laughs> for. Um, from memory, it was really juicy. Like, yep. really tropical fruit-driven... Along with the caramel malts that you'd expect. <laughs> Epic's really one of those breweries I need to drink more from. I haven't actually had heaps of their stuff. Like, I've had bits and bobs here and there, but never really um, gone through the whole range. They seem to release so much. I make a point to buy every new one. Yeah. Um, I think I should do that as well. Otters Promise seem to have all the new ones Yeah, pretty pretty regularly. But as a guy who still has a bottle of Mountain Goats Lime Crisis earlier in the year, I am not good... In my fridge. I'm not good at getting through those big IPAs. Yeah. I am very have a very bad track record with them. I think that's what puts me off. So, um, But I will, I think with Epic, yeah, something I have to try. And Red IPA from them sounds like a winner. Yeah. Can't really. Can't go wrong with many of their beers. No. <laughs> no, they rarely miss the mark. Um, so I'm going to go with Hargraves Hill Phoenix. Uh, any vintage. That might be the biggest do. one we've had. Yeah, although I think it's... Oh yeah, no, it'd be it'd be double digits. Yeah, eleven. 
ish. Yeah, I think it depends on the vintage, yeah. I suppose. Um, but of course, it's sort of based on their was their original brew pub burning down. down? Yep. Yeah, and like the phoenix arose for the ashes, as did this very expensive, very annoyingly wax sealed beer. But it's great. It's um almost like it almost has some light Belgian quaddy elements with heaps mm. of dark fruit and. I know it, it just sticks in my memory as a real unique thing, and it really does justice to the imperial part of the imperial. It's red. a really special beer. I do always tell myself I'm not going to buy one each year, <laughs> and inevitably I end up with one. <laughs> yeah, and I mean it's pricey, but it is a special thing. Like, yeah, yeah, it, I think it's worth having. And it's, if you like it, then you know what you're going to get. You want to give us the last one, the list thing? Yes. Yep, I'm going. Way back for this one. It's the uh, Half a World Away, which is a collaboration between Nurgner and Holgate. Jeez. I think it's 2012, late 2012 or early 2013. They did a few collaborations at that time. They did Bridge Road, was that the Aurora Australis? The original Aurora Australis and Aurora Borealis, I think they did at the other end. Yeah, yeah. And... So what's what's special about this? What's stuck in your memory? This one, they actually, I remember they swapped brewers. Like they sent like their trainee brewers to the other one for six months, mm. and then the two of them made the beer. Jeez, like that's a hell of an experience for a trainee brewer. Like yeah, that. exactly. Yeah. Um, I just remember it at the time it was a big red, and like there weren't that many of them around. Yeah, at the time, what, what percentage are we? Sort of? Nine, nine. Yeah, so that's big. Yeah, like that's big even now. Yes, yeah. Um, but I just remember it being very sort of different to anything else and, around yeah. at the time. Like it was, but it was a well balanced one. There was a lot of malt going on. Hops were, you know, Australian hops. Yeah, nothing. <laughs> it was fruity, but yeah. But yeah, it's. it's I mean, a lot of these ones are kind of formative, and they have some sort of important place there and they yeah kind of like, the beauty of the concept i guess yeah i think so like that's going oh, to be five or six years since i've had that <laughs> and i guess it's sort of one of those ones where um you know you've got six spots if you want something for nostalgia you can you can, you can indulge yourself you've got five other great beers in case it's not as good as you remember yeah. <laughs> but it does sound really interesting and those collaborations that no no did were generally really good from what i heard kind of before I was really in the scene, so I, yeah. Alright, for my last one in the Desert Island six-pack, I've gone for, again, going with the whole got to drink this fairly regularly sort of thing, and I've gone for Two Birds Sunset Ale. Nice. So I think this is a pretty underrated beer, and I could have gone with Double Sunset or mm-hmm. something else, but I just sort of, I've always dug what it did, and when it's fresh, it's got really nice hop character and stuff and it's really well balanced the whole thing yeah i just think it's a good quality red and probably overall a little bit underrated and i think people often have it in bad condition um but two birds as a whole are a bit underrated yeah again i think their beers more than a lot of places just really suffer when they're not fresh yeah we saw with golden ale when we went to the brewery like for a bit of context, uh, Angus and I aren't huge fans of the Golden Owl, but we had it fresh at the brewery and it was very nice. Yep. And it just sort of, it's one of those things where it just really, really relies. And we had that pale when it came out fresh. And Which it, was amazing. Yeah. And I've had never had it as good since then, but no. I've never had it as fresh. And Sunset would be the same thing, but as we've discussed, it would be fresh. And so it gets a spot in my list. And um, 
I'm sure we've missed tons of... Heaps. Yeah, but I think this is <laughs> more of a personal list, whereas last time, somewhat personal, but probably ticked off some classics. But I think, yeah. yeah. There's not as many classic reds. No, it's probably still something that, uh, you know, you can you got your, your fat tyres and yeah. you've probably got a... I would say there's probably a few in Irish, English ones we might have missed out. Or something like a Kilkenny or something. Yeah. That's, that's an counts. Irish red. Yeah. But I think really, um, yeah, I think we've ran the gamut and it's come out quite nicely. So yeah, we'll only one double up this time. Yeah, interesting. And kind of, we thought that might be the case. Yeah. And yeah, if uh, anyone has any suggestions for the future, we'll... Definitely take them into account because it's always interesting diving in and seeing what you know slash like out of a certain style. So yeah, that's um, Desert Island six pack. We'll uh, should run through again just to make sure. So my six are the uh, Exits Ambrail, Mountain Goat Fancy Pants, Evil Archie's Red IPA, which Angus also had, Hargrave Silver Phoenix, Sparrow Boys India Ambrail, and Two Birds Sunset Ale. Yeah, and so mine were the Modus Operandi former tenant. Prancing Pony India Red Ale, the uh, Noisy Miner Admiral Akbar, the Mismatch uh, Evil Archie, the Epic Hop Dozer, and the Nognaro Holgate collaboration halfway around the world. Or half a world away or whatever it was. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's a good, it's an in, a very uh, varied list, we'll say. Yeah. We'll um, be back in a moment with the final segment where we dive into Noz's self. Back with the final segment, the Beer O'Clock Podcast. Uh, this is Noz's Cellar, where we try to make Noz clear out some of his considerable collection and basically just gives you an excuse to crack something. So last time it was an aged Lindemans and Mikula Spontan Basil yep. Lambic, which... Uh, it was nice. Had aged yeah. well. And um, what do you got for us this time? Well, today we sort of broke the rule. It's not uh, old. Okay. It's actually something I bought this week. But I thought we should still share it because I thought we really need to talk about this. Okay. Um, it's the Costa de Vila, which is the uh, collaboration between Jolly Pumpkin and La Serene. Oh, okay. I was going to buy one of those, so this makes my life a lot easier. Yeah. Um, Something that probably would have gone in the cellar, so I think we'll allow it. <laughs> I definitely would have ended up there. I think yeah. we all know that. Um, yeah, so it's a little... I think it's a sour saison. Oak-aged. So is this using... Do we know if it's uh, La Serene's culture or was it brewed? Is it primarily Jolly Pumpkin? Or I is think it... it's primarily Jolly Pumpkin. So it was done, I assume, when La Serene also did uh, with Jester King? Yeah. Yeah, it was while he was over there. Um, i just got the details up here and see if we can find anything about the culture. I think it's great that we've also seen Wildflower doing some international stuff and it's just great to see some uh, recognition coming in. Doesn't mention anything about the culture, but it was in at Jester King. You would assume it's theirs, then. Yeah. That's a much, uh... Uh, and it was in Oak for five months. It has a heap of hops. Oh. Ca- Cascade, Crystal, Galaxy, Vanguard, and um, I'm guessing it's Michigan Chinook. So it's sort of, I guess we're going with kind of a... Seems to be a hoppy session saison. Yeah. Well, I, I guess let's uh, crack it and have a game. Yeah, let's have a bit of a look here. 
so this is very recently released as well as purchased I would suggest um, from memory I've only started seeing stuff about this like you said this week-ish I think it's been out for a couple of weeks but okay. yeah like it's it's they are Jolly Pumpkin I think came in the same shipment as all those other breweries we yeah Toppling Life and stuff yeah against the grain all of those So I think there's some more in-depth stuff on Lacerine's Facebook or Instagram. About I did this? Yeah. I, um, it was a little while ago, to be honest, because obviously it hasn't been brewed immediately. Mm. But yeah, have a look. <laughs> well, that's Hoppy. really nice. Yep. It's, um, it's a good saison. So, uh, it's quite tart. Like there's a bit of... Brett in there. Um, it's quite hoppy. It's also very hoppy. Mm, which is interesting. I wonder if they hopped it after it had been in the oak. I imagine it's mostly a heavy dry hopping. Yeah. Um, but it all kind of works pretty well. You can definitely see like the... They sort of mentioned, uh, you know, pithy sort of citrus and stuff. There's definitely that in there. Um, some sort of bitter lemon and orange peel for sure. Uh, yeah, they're talking about kumquat and citrus and soft wheat on the on the Jolly Pumpkin website. Not much soft about it. It's all pretty no. bitey, but in a good way. The bread is pretty aggressive as well. Yeah, sort that, of that really will bitterness, light tartness, citrus. It's all pretty. I think that will um, age pretty well. I think so. Yeah. I think if you have it now, obviously, you'll get a lot more of the hops and stuff, but I feel like the hops might... They'll probably stop it from getting any more sour or anything, but it will um, also... The Brett will ensure that it develops in an interesting way going forward. Yeah. No, I think this is a... It's a good one to crack. I mean, as I was saying, it's um, really cool to see Lacerine doing this stuff. and It's a very nice label, too. It is, isn't it? Uh, there's actually a... Jolly Pumpkin and Lacerine launch for this beer at Mr. West right now. Ah, well, there you go. Where Costa's doing a masterclass. In any case. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, this will be around, and I assume, I think, the one with Jester King, that is only being released by Jester King. So I think there's a very small amount of it in Australia, but I don't think Lacerine's actually getting any of that to... I feel they got a case Mm. or something. You know, I don't I think, think they gave was... some away. Actually, there was a competition yeah, from memory that on rings there. Bell. Yeah, so, but this should be attainable, I imagine. Yeah, this if, around. Yeah. Um, as a lot of jelly pumpkin at the moment, um, pricey. I think it's forty. Yeah. You know, in that ballpark. It's a big one though, and big brewery. Yeah. So I guess I don't know. I think. Tastes really good fresh, and I think you I could think age it, and it would be very good as well. I'm quite happy with it at 40. Yeah. I think it's it's worth that. It's certainly got enough going on. And I also... Yeah, I'm not sure if I could really make a recommendation as to whether... I'm not sure what age will do to this because of the magic power of Brett, but I think it would age well. Yeah, I think we're going to lose a bit of that harsh sort of citrus. It's almost a touch green. Yeah. Which is weird for a season, yeah. but it is almost... Like, obviously, they have hopped it with a view that it won't be drunk immediately I think in so. all cases. So, um, 
I think maybe I'd probably give it a few weeks, but I think it honestly tastes delicious now. So I don't think you'd be disappointed. I but really like it. I think if you can sit on it, you'll probably be rewarded as well. I think so. I think that'll just about do us. We've um, our we are just in the cooling stage of our brewing process and add a lot of mandarina and had a bit of problem with the cooling, so it's going to take a bit longer than we anticipated. But um, that's part of homebrewing. Things, it is. Things break, and you've got to learn how to fix them, or else you get bad beer. Mm. And we always manage to, you know, figure it out. We'll get there. Yeah. So, yeah, I think we'll. We're pretty much bang on a month. Yeah, we'll, we're surprisingly kept to a deadline at Beer O'Clock Australia. Yeah, so we'll we'll see you all in the future. If you have any emails, send them to uh, Gus G U S dot Norris number seven at gmail dot com. And we will be back next time. I assume be post grand final and also more importantly post Swansea Day, which we are going to. So we'll have a. Bit of a report on that. I think so. And I'm sure a lot else will happen as it always does in beer. Thank you very much for listening.